I invite you this morning to turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew, the sixth chapter. And as you do, again, let me say it is indeed a privilege and honor to be before you once again. And as we begin our, our journey by starting in Matthew, this morning we will take on a more topical subject as we are in preparations uh, heading for our 21-day fast as a congregation. Uh, we felt that today would be a wonderful day to take a look at the topic of fasting and what it means to the people of God. How throughout scriptures we see fasts being implemented and how they were used. But in order to help us to understand and not be afraid of a fast. So here in Matthew, the sixth chapter. Beginning with verse one. And the word of God reads. This is Jesus speaking. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees it in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites where they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespass, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. And as I said, as we prepare for our upcoming congregational fast, what we want to do today is take a moment to look into the scriptures and allow them to be our guide as to the authority, as to just how we are as a body of Christ to go into a fast. 
not looking to man, not looking to tradition, just how people do it, how, how they do it down the street. But what, the, what does the Bible have to say about this topic of fasting? So the purpose of today's sermon will hopefully bring to light fasting and what role it plays in the life of followers of Christ. Now, for many, this would be a simple review, uh, something that has been part of your life, something that you know by experience just how intimate that time with God can be. Uh, for others, this will give you greater clarity to understand this practice of fasting. Uh, you may have been curious about it, but yet you have not participated in one yourself. But also, this may be for others who are simply completely new. I have no idea what, what is this fast that y'all keep talking about. And, this, and, and you, you may not even have your mind even thinking about it. I'm not even thinking about this fast. But yet, no matter where you are, I pray that the Spirit of God would illuminate our minds and lead us into righteousness. So no matter where you are on fasting, God has a word for you. This morning. So the title of this morning's ser uh, sermon is Pushing the Plate Away for His Glory. Pushing the Plate Away for His Glory. Let us pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, King of Glory, Father, you, in you are indeed worthy of our worship. And we thank you, dear God, that we're able to come before your throne boldly and worship you in spirit and in truth. Father, we thank you for how you have kept us to worship with you one more time. With fellow believers in Christ, Lord, as we lift up praises, as we honor and revere you for whom you are. For you are the creator of all things. You are the lover of our souls. You have rescued us from darkness and transferred us into your marvelous light. Father, we pray that right now there's any sin in our lives, that we will repent of our sins and trust Christ. Father, there's any hindrance, any issues, any burdens that we have right now, dear God, we pray by your spirit you will take that away. May we cast our cares upon you, knowing that you are ultimately, supremely faithful. Father, I pray that you will grant us wisdom and clarity into your word by your spirit. Grant us eyes to see and grant us ears to hear, O oh Lord. Father, speak to us this day. Transform our hearts. May we love your holiness and your glory more than we love food, more than we love ourselves, more than we love anything in this world. Lord, may we love you and demonstrate that love. For you did the same for us, for you demonstrated your love towards us while we were yet sinners. Christ died. Father, I pray that you will use me, this broken vessel, to speak your word. To speak your word to this people of God. Oh Lord, would you have your way. And oh Father, we ask that you will look in on our pastor as he is away. Grant him power and authority in your spirit to preach prophetically. And that souls will be transformed and changed. Oh Lord, we ask these things for your glory. In name's sake, we do pray. Amen. Amen. So in here today, who has never, ever, never, ever watch television before <laughs> the, the, the drummer well since that is the case then we all should be 
more than familiar with those different shows that they call an infomercial. And if you're not familiar with a, what an infomercial is, an infomercial is a it's like a commercial but dragged out for 30 minutes. And what this commercial does, it convinces you of how could you have ever lived without this product in your life before? How could you have ever cooked that spaghetti and got them noodles just right without this product? So the purpose of an infomercial is it wants you to, to, to be sucked in, to say, yeah, I want that, I need that for the improvement of my situation. But in the area of muscle development, we have seen many products on these TV screens as well. You know them, the thigh master, the band flex, the bow flex, the crossbow, the ab chair, ab swing, eight minute abs. You know, the list goes on and on. And actually, you may have one of these products in your house right now, making a very nice clothes hamper where you're hanging up clothes on these products. See, but each one of these products are promising that in just a few minutes a day, you can have the body of a supermodel or an NFL athlete in just a few minutes a day. But we know better because we know from experience that these are lofty goals, but yet this is an empty promise. Medical professionals have been telling us the best way, the most nutritious way, the most healthy way to improve uh, the health of your body and to, to lose weight and to build muscles to have a balanced diet uh, with diet and exercise and, and, and consistency and diligence. And, and that's how we melt the pounds away and build muscle. You know, it, it, it takes discipline. At the end of the day, you know it and I know it. It takes discipline. And just as bodybuilding involves a program of daily exercise, daily commitment, daily work, our Christian spiritual development requires a program of daily exercise. 1 Timothy 4.7 states that have nothing to do with irreverent silly myths. Rather, train yourselves in godliness. A training of the body, a disciplining, a, a, a taking up of our faith and, and, and working it out in, in, in some way. And here in this text that we have just read, Jesus is speaking of three such spiritual disciplines that help you build your spiritual muscle and the spiritual growth. Giving, prayer, and fasting. These are the spiritual dun dumbbells that work out our salvation. Giving, prayer, and fasting are practices in righteousness that benefits the believer, but also benefits others. And, and God uses it through us that he will receive maximum glory. So notice here in verse 1, 6 and 1, Jesus says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. 
Beware of practicing before other people. See, what Jesus is touching on here is not the fact that they were doing these spiritual disciplines, the fact that they were looking for their reward from men. Their whole motivation, their whole reason for, for it, even giving, for, for praying, and for fasting was that they may look good in front of men. So the problem was not the acts. The problem was the motivation behind the acts. And this is what Jesus is addressing. Their, their practices were for inward purposes, not upward purposes. It was they, Their desires was to make themselves look good. Their desires was for attention from man. And their desires were to really be worshipped by the Jews of that day. See, sin has clouded their understanding of these spiritual disciplines. And what they fail to, to understand is what these precious gifts of righteousness were meant for. Were not for their personal gain, but for God's supreme glory. Giving, prayer, and fasting are, are not works for man to do to receive earthly affirmation. They are heavenly gifts given to man. So God can work through us and display his glory across the world, across his creation. These righteous practices that when done with proper motives, we receive blessings from God. Verse 2, and when you give, don't do it for your own glory. Verse 5, and when you pray, don't do it for your own glory. Verse 16, and when you fast, don't do it for your own glory, but do it for your father who is in heaven. See, understand this. I'm teaching right now with my youth, and, and we went back to Genesis to understand what's really going on. Because if you don't have Genesis right, you don't have anything right. If, you, if your beginning is messed up, then everything in between and at the end is going to be messed up too. And what we see from Genesis is that God created things for a purpose. God created things with order. He has designated their roles, and, and God has created us, his, uh, uh, his creation. We are here to give glory to God and to enjoy him forever. At the end of the day, no matter what you are doing, how you are doing it, Think about your motive. Are you doing it for yourself or are you doing it for that God may be glorified through you that he may be seen? When he gives the, direct, the directive to be fruitful and multiply, he is saying, now my image bears, my glory bears, I want you to multiply now and spread out my glory over my creation that I may be worshipped. And that is our purpose. That is what we are here for not to get paid, not to get our own education, not to have the fat house. Those may be benefits that we receive from God that may or may not come. But one thing that we do know, we are here for his glory. When it comes to giving, you know, most Christians, we, are, we understand giving. Children understand giving. We see children come up and put dollars in. We, we understand how to give of our time for help, how to give of our time for service. So that's not a problem for Christians. And, and most Christians, we know what it means to pray. We know how to have, to have some quiet time or how to pray for someone. 
But do Christians really know what it means to fast? Our working definition for fasting this morning, fasting would be defined as a Christian's voluntary abstinence from food for spiritual purposes. Fasting defined would be a Christian's voluntary abstinence from food for spiritual purposes. See, fasting is another spiritual asset available to followers of Christ that allows us to show humility, sorrow, and our dependence upon God. What, what, what fasting, God is so fantastic. What fasting does, it, it takes our natural um, desires and, 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 and sensors within the body and, and, and points it back to God. When you don't eat, and it comes 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, you know, you get, you get a little woozy and your stomach starts to growl. You know, you be in, in meetings and your stomach starts growling. You're trying to hush up. Like, Shh, that wasn't me. You know, and, and your, your body begins to go through a certain type of reaction reminding you, like, hello, it's time to eat. You have not fed me. And God is so tremendous that what he has done, he's given us a gift that uses those pains to point us back to him. That's what fasting is. When, when you get a, a little lightheaded and when, when your, your belly starts to go, you be like, oh, that's my alarm. Time to get to praying. Time to get to thinking about God because, honestly, sometimes we can go through a whole day and not even think about God. We can see the trees. We can see his creation. We can see the clouds. We can see all the beauty that's before us. And the only thing we have on our mind is, I'm late for work. I got to get there. What I got to do today? I, I really don't want to go to school. I hate that teacher. She don't like me. That's why I get bad grades. No. Sometimes we need to wake up and be reminded about God. So we do not yield to these pains, but we use them as pointers back to our, our Father. If, if you're wondering, though the likes of Moses, Samuel, Hannah, David, Elijah, Esther, Daniel, Jesus, the apostles, and many others, they, they fasted. But actually, the only place in Scripture where God commanded a fast is in the book of Leviticus. Um, let's look at that right quick. Turn with me to Leviticus, the 16th chapter. Leviticus, the 16th chapter, and beginning with verse 29. Leviticus 16, 29, and it reads, And it shall be a statue to you forever, that in the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, you should afflict yourselves, you should go without food, and shall do no work either the native or the stranger or the sojourners among you. For on this day shall atonement be made for you to cleanse you. You shall be clean before the Lord from all your sins. The day of atonement was the day where the, the priest went before God in the Holy of Holies and offered sacrifice. 
on behalf of Israel for the cleansing of all their sins. And on this day, God is commanding that you, you, you're not going to eat this day. This is a day which you need to be humble before me as I take away your sins. Not, not take away, but as I cover your sins, waiting on that day when that, the Lamb of God will come to take them away. So this is actually the only place in Scripture where we are commanded to fast. So let's now look at some of the pieces under this this heading, fasting. And though though not a command for Christians, the the Bible does have a lot to say about fasting. Uh, In his book, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life, Professor Donald Whitney writes on fasting, and he pulls together uh, some types of fasting from Scripture. Um, And some of these types of fasting found in Scripture... The first being the the normal fast. In Matthew, the fourth chapter, let's turn there. Matthew, the fourth chapter, as Jesus is preparing for ministry by going into the wilderness, he, he is about to be tempted by Satan Verse 1, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The normal fast in Scripture was a fast that you would abstain from food, but you would not abstain from drinking water. So you would just get rid of the food. You would drink water throughout the day. Uh, These types of fasts can, as we see, 40 days Because you can last longer by just drinking water and abstaining from food. So the first type of fast that we can see from scriptures is the normal fast. But secondly, there is the partial fast. The partial fast. And this fast, which is found in Daniel, the 10th chapter. Let's turn to Daniel. We're not going to look at every single scripture for every type of fast. But uh, since we are going to kind of follow this Daniel fast. Daniel, the 10th chapter. After he has received word from God about what's going to happen, this impending problems, these impending destruction. Um, In Daniel 10, beginning with verse 2, he says, In those days I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks, I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for the full three weeks. A partial fast is the limiting of your diet, taking certain things out of your diet for a set period of time, whether it be uh, cookies and cake, but it's normally stuff you like. It's not, you can't go on a fast from broccoli, really. (laughs) You know, stuff like that. Stuff that you don't like. You, a, fat, a partial fast is something that, uh, that's not, not, not sinful, but you find enjoyment in. Like a nice cake, like, like that cheesecake we had last night. <laughs> Woo! A giving up of something that's really tastes good and you, you, you really enjoy. So there's the normal fast. There, there, there's the partial fast. 
But now also in the book of Esther, we see the absolute fast. The absolute fast. And in an absolute fast, on Esther, the fourth chapter, we won't go there, but Esther, a decree has went out to slaughter all the Jews, and she is getting ready to go before the king, uh, unannounced. In biblical times, if you went before the king unannounced, they were killing you on the spot. So she was going in on behalf of all the Jews, and she told everyone, look, we need to fast. We need to fast and pray. As a matter of fact, do not eat anything and do not drink anything. So an absolute fast is no, there's no food and there's no water. And usually these type of fasts go no longer than three days because after three days, the body is in need of hydration, of water. So there's the normal fast, the partial fast, the absolute fast. But then also in Deuteronomy 9, we see the supernatural fast. And this fast is when Moses was on Sinai getting the law from God. And he says in Deuteronomy 9 that he was in God's presence 40 days and 40 nights and he did not eat and he did not drink. Now, you thinking 40 days? It's physically impossible for the body to go 40 days without food or water. You will die. And that's why this is a supernatural fast. Moses was in the face of God. God was like, I'm more than enough to sustain you. When you're in my presence, you don't need to eat it. And you won't need to drink because I am sufficient. And that is what was taking place here in Deuteronomy for this supernatural fast. But also in the book of Acts, we see the congregational fast. Let's turn to Acts, the 13th chapter. Acts, the 13th chapter, beginning with verse 1. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a member of the court of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. In the process of of preparing for ministry, this church was, was looking, who will we send out? How will we prepare for the work that God has for us? And, and, and the scripture says they were fasting and praying that they may know God's direction, who to send, where they will go as a congregation. So we see from scriptures a normal fast, a a partial fast, a absolute fast, a supernatural fast, a congregational fast. But then lastly, we see the national fast. And in the book of Jonah, the third chapter, once Jonah finally gets to Nineveh after his disobedience, but when he finally gets there and proclaims God's judgment will be upon this people The scripture says, and they believed in God. 
They repented of their sins and, and part of their mourning and, 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 and showing humility before God, they took part in a national fast. The king proclaimed that let no one eat or drink before God that we may show how repentant we are of our sins. So in scripture, there are many types of fasts. But just as there are many types of fasts, there are many purposes for a fast. So if, if, if anyone comes to you and say they got the lock on the reason why you're supposed to fast, you can tell them, no, 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 because we went through the scriptures and we learned that there are many different purposes for a fast. Some of those purposes include to strengthen prayer, to seek God's guidance. In Judges, the 20th chapter, before they went up to fight again with Benjamin, Benjamin had committed this heinous act, and all the tribes were going to come together and fight against Benjamin. They went up and got whooped, and they went up again and got whooped. And they, and they, they went before God, like, we're going to fast and pray, find out, should we, should we go up there for real? And God gave them the word that they would prevail this last time. But it's to seek God's guidance. And let's camp right here for a second because this is the type of fast that would work very well for someone like a senior in high school. Well, why is that? Well, a senior in high school is faced with the decision of what college to go to if they're going to college what's next in life, and those decisions made in that one year of high school would impact the trajectory of your life for years to come. I mean, some of us know, uh, some of us have went to school and, and we've seen that person who just went to school. They had no plan. They had no purpose. They were, I'm just going to school. I'm getting out of my mama's house. She's going to stop telling me what to do even though she paid my school bill and buy my books and give me spending money and wash my clothes on weekends, but they ain't going to tell me what to do anymore. And we see just how long it takes for them to actually matriculate through school because of the different decisions. Well, I want to do this one day and I want to do this. Wouldn't it have been great if someone would approach them and say, have you spoke to God about what's going to happen next in your life? You know, have you uh, been praying about this decision or are you just going? You know, and, and we're all kind of guilty in that because we, we really want to push our students to do well and achieve. And the first, But the first thing we say is, you got to go to college. But what if God is not calling them to college? We need to be fasting and praying on our seniors' behalf that God will grant them direction and guidance. That these decisions, these big major decisions will be for their benefit and not be a curse in their lives. This type of fast would do well for those facing a, a, a tough job decision. You know, coming from Michigan, it was a period of like two years where every like three or six months, the automakers were offering these buyouts. Look, we'll give you this fat package if you just leave. Because they were, they were trying to reduce their ranks. And for some people, it made sense. They'd take this money and do something else with it. But for some people, they knew that once that money was gone, it, it, they had nothing else. 
that is a time when you need to be on your face before God and says, though this may be in front of me, Lord, what do you say? What have you to say in this matter? And even here, this is a, a particular fast, uh, a purpose for a fast that would benefit us, this local body of Christ, as we seek to do God's will in 2011. Lord, who, where should we focus our ministry strengths? Where should we focus the money? Where should we focus the direction? Lord, what will you have us to do in 2011? So that particular purpose has a lot to do on just daily life. But also we see in scripture, fast had the purpose of to express grief, the loss of a love when someone's close, a time where you just got before God and, and he ministered to you and he poured into you. We see that script, uh, fasting was done to seek deliverance or protection, to express repentance and return to God. We see fast being used to humble oneself before God. To express concern for the work of God. To minister to the needs of others. To overcome temptation and dedicate yourself to God. That is, that is a, a wonderful New Year's resolution right there. Beginning the year off, fasting and praying... To overcome temptation and dedication. See, you, you can make however many New Year's resolutions to lose weight as you want to. But if you can't overcome the temptation of that chocolate fudge cake, you ain't doing nothing. If you can't overcome the, the temptation to sleep in instead of getting up early and going to the gym, nothing's going to change and nothing's going to happen. We fast to express love and worship for God. So all throughout scriptures, we see that the spiritual the, this spiritual discipline of fasting has a special place within the lives of God's people for the purposes of God's glory. There is a sense of definitely nothing to lose but everything to gain by going through a fast. And as we, as we think through this today, as, this, as Forest Baptist Church as a family will enter into a congregational fast, as we think about that, it will be easy to, to view it with a certain amount of anxiety or, or fear or, or dread. But I, I believe that perspective comes, it comes from our fallenness. It comes from our flesh. And we're thinking that God is taking something from us. When all he wants to do is bless us and give to us. If we put on our heavenly goggles, we will see that God, he's not taking anything from us at all. He's given us a gift that allows us to draw closer to him. To experience him more richly and deeply. This is a gift. This is David in Psalm 42. As a deer pants for flowing streams. So pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? This nearness. He desires to, to be close unto God. So that begs the question. Can a Christian really be near to God without fasting? Hmm. Good question. 
Now answer it for us, preacher. All right, I will. 100% emphatic, yes, someone can be close to God without fasting. But what fasting does, if I could illustrate it, it's like a mother holding a child. See, I, I, I could give, this, this is life experience. I, I'm not ashamed to let everyone know, like, I am a, a mama's boy. And as a child, you would want to be near your mother. So you would come up and give your mom just a big hug. And you would just hold on to your mother. And your, your mother would uh, caress and stroke your, your head and you would feel near. But then there's that, that second level where you, you may have been hurt or you, you may be going through something. And not only do you hug, hug your mother, it's like you're trying to get up in their skin and you're all up under their arms and you're in their stomach. It's like you're just real close to your mom. That's fasting. It's like you, you it, it, it's enough to be here, but I want to be even closer. I, 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 don't, I don't just want to touch you. I, don't, I want to get inside your skin. I want to I feel what you feel. I want to see what you see. God, I just want to know you in a richer and a deeper way. Lord, I, I can't even carry myself. I just want you to carry me for a while. Strengthen me. When we enter into a fast for any purpose found in Scripture, key, found in Scripture, the end result is always man being moved in some way which puts God's handiwork on display. When Moses fasted 40 days in Sinai, it was for the purpose of re receiving the law from God. Why? So that Israel would know what it took to live with a holy and righteous God. So they could know what, it, what requirements they had to live by, what standard they had to live up to in order that God would live amongst them. Why? The scripture tell, tells us that so they may bless the families of the earth and the nations and be a witness for God and his glory. Ezra proclaimed a fast, seeking God's protection so that they may return to the land of promise, rebuild the temple, and worship before God once again. Why? For his glory. The nation of Nineveh called a fast, repenting of their evil before God and turned toward God, becoming yet another reflection of God's glory and his mercy and his grace, but now manifested in a Gentile nation. God's glory. And yes, Jesus fasted for 40 days in the wilderness so that he could withstand the temptations of Satan so that he may live a sinless life, may, that he may be our sinless sacrifice, thus displaying God's mercy and his grace and his glory. Always, always, Scripture talks about fasting that God may be glorified. That is why we're here, to glorify God. Speaking about fasting in his book, A Hunger for God, Pastor John Piper says, he sees, talking about God, he sees that we are acting not out of strength to impress others with our discipline or even out of a desire to influence others to imitate our devotion. But we have come to God out of weakness to express to him our need 
and our great longing that he would manifest himself more fully in our lives for the joy of our soul and the glory of his name. He goes on to say, the reward we are to seek from the Father in fasting is not first or mainly the gifts of God, but God himself. The reason we fast is we, we just want more of God, more and more and more. So we fast that his name may be adored and revered and loved. We fast that his kingdom rule will come. We fast that his way will be observed here on earth. Fasting is a gift from God to God. And we're fasting for his glory. See, if it, on the other end of that, if, if, if we're not fasting for his glory, if, if we take part in this without reading our Bibles and without praying and, and without having our minds on the things of God, then this is not a fast at all. This just becomes a diet. See, a fast without God is just a diet. Because when you're fasting, you're seeking God. You're seeking his hand. You're seeking his presence. When you die, you're just trying to lose weight. So you go to the beach this summer. Well, you know it's about to be spring. I got to tighten up, get it ready to go to the beach. No, we are not dieting as a church family. We're fasting. And fasting is not about what we won't be doing but what God will be doing through us his people so this leads us to our 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 final point on fasting this morning for all that fasting truly is we must take a moment and and be mindful of what fasting is not because just like any other spiritual discipline fasting can be abused and it, it, it is being abused. And that's the practice that Jesus was talking about in Matthew 6. That these practices of righteousness were being abused by the people. And that all they were doing was for their internal pride. It was, look at me. Watch me. I'm holy. We do not fast so that we, we will look Spiritual or honored by man. That's, that's not why we fast. Have you, ever, have you ever talked to someone who was on a fast? And like every other word come out of their mouth, they're talking about the fact that they're on a fast. Like, yeah, I'm getting ready to go to lunch today. You want to come? You know, they come, oh, you know, no, I can't, I can't go today. You know, I, I'm on this fast, you know, for my church. So we just praying for a breakthrough, you know. And I'm like, oh, okay, okay, you know, I understand. I'll, I'll pray with you. Yeah, you know, you know what I'm saying. That this fast, you know, i just been on it for like two weeks now. And like, I, I don't lost 15 pounds. But, you know, uh, you, okay, I, I hear what you're saying. Not for yourself. Not look at me. We don't fast for that reason. But then also... We don't take part in a fast to, to be part of a game of a, a, a spiritual scratch my back, God, I'll scratch yours either. This, this is more that, that spiritual bargaining. Uh, you, you can equate that to those, those foxhole conversions, you know, at war when the bombs are falling and, and the soldiers jump into the hole and they say, Lord, if you let me live, I will do whatever. And we're... Uh, uh, 
Fasting is not coming to God like, Lord, if, if you deliver me from the situation, if you give me this breakthrough, then, then I will go to church every Sunday and, and I will help on the, on, on, on the usher board and I, I will do these things. It's, it's, it doesn't work like that. We don't want the stuff. We want him and him glorified. But then also, we do not fast to set up distinctions between the spiritual have and have nots. This, this, this spiritual e- elitism. You, you talk to people like, you know, uh, we're prayerfully considering going on a fast. You know, this would be my first time. What? You ain't never fasted? Your church don't fast? Well, we fast this, this time, and it, it becomes the have and the have nots. And the body of Christ doesn't work like that. Because first of all, it, when it comes to gifting, it's the spirit who gives the gifts. And it's the spirit who puts the desires in our hearts of whether we should be on the fast or not. Now, we may encourage you, but this is between you and God. We pray that as a, as a body, we can do it together. But if God is not directing you, then don't. And we're not going to look at you like you're any less whatsoever. We praise God that you're listening to his voice. But most importantly, we do not fast thinking that we can force God's hand in the situation. Turn with me to 2 Samuel. Second Samuel, the 12th chapter. Second Samuel, the 12th chapter, uh, beginning with verse 15. And it says, then Nathan went to his house, talking about David. No, he went, he went back to his own house after he had given David the word of God after his sin with Bathsheba that the child would die. And the Lord afflicted the child that Uriah's wife bore to David, and he became sick. Therefore David sought God on behalf of the child. And David fasted and went in and lay all night on the ground. And the elders of his house stood beside him to raise him from the ground, but he would not nor did he eat food with them. On the seventh day, the child died, and the servants of David were afraid to tell him that the child was dead, for they, for they said, Behold, while the child was yet alive, we spoke to him, and he did not listen to us. How then can we say to him, The child is dead? He may do himself some harm. But when David saw that his servants were whispering together, David understood that the child was dead. And David said to his servants, Is the child dead? They said, He is dead. That David arose from the earth and washed and anointed himself and changed his clothes. And he went into the house of the Lord and worshiped. He then went to his own house. And when he asked, they, and when he asked, they set food before him and he ate. Then his servant said to him, what is this thing that you have done? You fasted and wept for the child while he was alive. But when the child died, you arose and ate food. He said, while the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, who knows whether the Lord will be gracious to me that the child may live. But now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he will not return to me. 
David understanding that he could not force the hand of God. That though he, he, he wanted this child to live, though he, he threw himself on the ground and fasted and prayed and was seeking God's mercy, he understood that God is sovereign. That God will do as he chooses, but as he does, he does for his glory and our benefit. He will always do the right thing. God is not like us. There's no impure motivations. There's no impure desires or or wants. He does the right thing all the time because he is true. He does not just know truth. He is true. He will always do the loving, the kind, and merciful thing, not because he likes to be loving and gracious, because he is love, and he is grace, and he is mercy. So we do not try to move the hand of God. We just seek him. So let us examine our motives today. Do we desire for God to move on our behalf so that we can get that job and start buying that stuff we always wanted? Or do we desire that God grant us that job that we may be faithful stewards over what he has given us, contributing to others, blessing others for the benefit of the kingdom? Do we want God, do we go on a fast that God may save our child because they done lost their mind and they given on our last nerve? Partly. No, but we, we fast before God that God may transform that child's heart from the inside out, that they may become vessels of honor fit for the master's use, that they may be godly individuals in this world displaying the light of Christ for all to see that souls may be saved. That's why we pray for our children. Will our fasting be about him or will it be about us? So as we quickly review and come to a close, what is fasting? Fasting, a Christian fast, is the voluntary abstinence from food for spiritual purposes. What is the purpose of fasting? We fast ultimately for God's glory, and he uses it for our benefit. Why is fasting beneficial to the believer? The spiritual discipline involved draws us close to God, builds our spiritual muscles, and assists in the process of turning us from a consumer of God into a pursuer of God. And lastly, Why will we be fasting here at Forest? This year we will be fasting out of concern for the lost. For those souls who do not know Christ. For those souls who are headed for an an eternity separated from God in hell. And during our fast, this is what we are asking you to do. We, We ask that you will identify three friends and pray that God will call them to himself. That God will save these friends of yours. We pray that the lost, those in sin, will repent and trust Christ.
So that's, that would be our concern this year. So we would like to approach God as a congregation of believers asking and seeking God's will in this matter. So this will be a three-week fast, but don't, don't let that stop you. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You can do it. Um, but especially because for some, this may be your first fast. If, if, if you cannot do the, do the entire three weeks, just do a few days. But purpose in your heart how many days that's going to be. Purpose in your heart that you're going to give up something that matters to you. Because though we may be recommending this Daniel fast, I, and I believe so because of how it's structured and it works, it works well. And I believe a pastor has told me some of the the breakthroughs that uh, God has given us as a church family on last year's. So you want to continue with that. But if if you don't do the Daniel fast, do do some type of fast. Not for us. Not so we can be holy and say, oh, yeah, we have forced our fasting. No, because we want God to change lives. But if you can't, go without food, do something, push yourself, do some stretching. And, and if you mess up, don't, don't, don't kill yourself. Don't be, don't be hard on yourself. I mean, Satan, Satan does enough of that every day on us. We don't need to pile on and help him out. But just start, just continue. Pick yourself up and continue. And for those who do have medical conditions, we do ask that you prayerfully consult your physician. Now, what do I mean by prayerfully? I mean prayerfully because we may go to the doctor and the doctor tell us we can't fast because of our diet. Then we come back to church. Well, Pastor, I can't, I can't fast. I got to eat my food. Well, I say prayerfully because instead of giving up food, maybe we, maybe we should consider something else then. Maybe we, maybe we give up the television. For three weeks. Like, Lord, have mercy. Can we do this after March Madness? Or, or, or maybe you should give up the, the computer for a period of time. This would be a perfect time to fast from Facebook. Man. What if we took the time that we spend on Facebook on our knees before God. What kind of change? See, I'm meddling now. What kind of changes may take place in our homes and in our children's lives and in our church's lives and if we spent as much time on our knees before God as we do on Facebook? Y'all young folks, do, do, do y'all, if y'all really want good grades, and y'all really want to get along with y'all teachers, how about you fast for that teacher that get on your nerves? <laughs> like preach. How about, how about we do something just radical crazy, and those bullies who get on your nerve, how about you get on your, your knees and you fast that God will save them from their sin and deliver them that they may live lives pleasing to God. That's some old crazy Christian stuff. 
or whatever other things we want to give up. But let's do it for God's glory. So I, I encourage you at some point in your Christian walk that you will push the plate away once in a while for God's glory. Amen? Amen. In Matthew 5, 6, Jesus says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Shall be satisfied. Through fasting, we develop this hunger and this thirst for God. And that's why in Matthew 6, after each one of those spiritual practices, and he's saying, don't, don't, do it, don't do it for men. Because when you do it in secret for your father, he will reward you. You will be satisfied when you hunger and thirst after God. This satisfaction is tied directly to our purpose. We have been created for the purpose of glorifying God and enjoying him forever. And only those who have turned from their sin and trust Christ for salvation can know the satisfaction of fulfilling your purpose. Only those who hunger for him, who thirst for him, will be satisfied. Examine yourself this morning. Inspect your hearts. Do you hunger for Christ? Do you thirst for Christ? Do you hate church? Do you hate the things of God? And as we cover, have covered this topic of fasting, understand, fasting is not for the lost, for the unbeliever. Because if, if, if fasting is a tool to see God's ultimate glory, how could anyone who is rejecting Jesus fulfill that? They can't. So I invite you this morning to fulfill your purpose and be satisfied. I invite you this morning to hunger for the one who is the bread of life. I invite you this morning to thirst for the one from whom flows that living water. And I invite you this morning to turn from your sins and to trust Christ today. Let us pray. Oh, Father, King of glory. Father, we thank you for your wonderful gifts. All that is good, all that is perfect comes from you. And Father, you have privileged us, your people, with spiritual disciplines that through the practice of them, we will be rewarded. Rewarded with a closer and a more intimate relationship with you. We will be rewarded with spiritual insight and discernment that we never had before. We will be rewarded with spiritual growth and breakthrough that we never had before. And Father, we ask that here at Forest, Lord, you would do a mighty work through the, the, the coming fast. May we not be fasting for ourselves or fasting because it's the cool thing that Christians do, but that we will be fasting for your glory, that you will be clearly seen in this world, and that lives will be changed, that souls will be saved. Father, we ask that you will have your way for the remaining portion of this service, that the Spirit will bring conviction upon the lost. And that someone will fast from this world and turn their hunger towards you. Father, have your way. We ask these things for your glory and your name's sake. We do pray.
Amen. Amen. Amen.